Welcome to the maiden voyage of the Sing Second Podcast. We're talking live here from the frozen tundra of the D Street Studios on Sunday, December 15th, five days before the bowl games start. Kyle, what's good? Lots of things are good. It's snowing. I, I hope for a snow day, but no, it's not coming this time around. But life is good because we're good. Brandon, what's good? I'll tell you what's good. So there's a movie that came out at the theater called uh, Jumanji Second Level, and Ooh. it gave me a great appreciation for average movies because <laughs> Jumanji Second Level is one of the three worst friggin' movies I've ever seen in my, well, for this year, for this calendar year. So that's good. Danny. Wait, so you're saying, you're saying it was bad? It was bad. Oh, man. Did you like the first one? Yeah, not bad. Oh, that was part of my holiday plans. So, pause. Jumanji 1, not bad. Jumanji 2, bad. And gave me a greater appreciation for how <laughs> not bad that uh, Jumanji 1 was Okay. in that oh. sense. All right, Danny, what's good? What's good? Football and snow. I don't know, did you guys happen to catch the uh, Chiefs-Broncos on earlier? Awesome-looking game. Awesome-looking game. I love a good... Uh, a good snow game where you're sitting in your house, nice and warm, um, you know, watching the snow come down on TV. Unfortunately, horrible result uh, for my Broncos. Uh, but other than that, fire. Had a nice fire going in the uh, in the fireplace last night. Um, so that's what's good in my life these days. Can I say some real quick? Has any player, and this is not an NFL podcast, obviously, but uh, a little side tangent. Has anybody ever played in more big-time snow games than LaShawn McCoy? Because he had, like, the one with the Eagles and, uh, and the Lions. He had the one with the Bills, like, when they were wearing all reds. and then. I mean, there's a high percent of Bills games that are in the snow, right? Yeah, this is big snow, though. Like, they had to <laughs> Chances play. are he plays in more of them than, say, yeah, Drew Brees, who's <laughs> in New Orleans in a dome. But I bet Tom Brady would have a, a good argument or some. Yeah, Green some no Packers. name, yeah. Some no name offensive lineman has probably played in more than Lashawn McCoy, but and Patrick Mahomes, the same exact player in like six inches of snow. Yeah. Then not. Yeah. He's a He's freak. Anything good with you, Andy? <clears throat> Just hanging out with my friends. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Where, when do they show up? <laughs> <laughs> They're already here. <clears throat> Anywho. Okay, so our first segment uh, on today's podcast, uh, we're going to start talking about the bowl games. Uh, now we have our traditional bowl pick'em, uh, as you typically might see. Uh, for a full list of this, these uh, our results, check out our Twitter page at SingSecond. Uh, the games we're highlighting today, though, are the games that may be overlooked, but caught our, our eye in some fashion. Um, each of us will tell you why. Uh, they will be ch watching the selected game and then why you should probably tune in and check out. Um, our selections for the New Year's Bowl game will be the focus of our next podcast. The first game we'll talk about is uh, the New Orleans Bowl, which takes place Saturday, December 21st at 8 p.m. It takes place against uh, between Appalachian State and UAB. Now, Appalachian State enters the game at 12-1. and one. Uh, They have key wins over the both the Carolinas, North. Uh, Carolina and South Carolina. They also beat Coastal Carolina for a fun fact. Jeez. Really owning own the Shout Carolinas. Shout out to Conway, South Carolina. <laughs> Been there. Is that the uh, Chanticleers? Yes. 
the Fighting Roosters. I'm just showing off my. Yep. I want to show off my college Boom. football knowledge. Uh, but they do have a bad loss against Georgia Southern in their rivalry game. Uh, it's the first-year head coach. Uh, they went 12 and one. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but Appalachian State's always been kind of a power. They're a power in the FCS. Uh, they have been in the FBS for one, two, three, five, six years now. They haven't had a losing season. So uh, the only FCS program to ever really be running all the way through. They're 4-0 in bowl games. Um, their head coach last year uh, is now the head coach at Louisville. And so back-to-back -back head coaches that have been winners at the FBS level. Uh, UAB, on the other hand, is kind of a – uh, a different interesting team for the fact of is they've come back from the death penalty, um, self-inflicted death penalty, I should say. It was not the SMU death penalty. Um, but self-inflicted death penalty and had two really good years under Bill Clark. Uh, they entered 9-4. and four. Uh, They beat a Louisiana Tech team that was pretty good this year, but they do have some bad losses. Um, Florida Atlantic, notably in that Conference USA Championship, that was 49-6. to Brutal. Woof. And then a game against Southern Miss where they scored two points. Um, that would have been a safety, correct? <laughs> it's safe to say, yes. Wait, so you, so each of these teams has good wins and bad losses? Well, they've both won enough to make a bowl game, yes. That can be tough. <clears throat> Anywho, so both teams like to run the ball. Um Rushing for over 27 or 2,000 yards, respectively, and not eclipsing the 3,000 pass uh, rating or yards mark. Um, I'm taking Steady Eddie Appalachian State. Kyle? Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention it, but uh, they beat Michigan a couple years ago, right? 2008. Do you think any of those players are still on the team today? They may have some eligibility, yes. <laughs> Based on that win against Michigan, I'm taking Appalachian State. Brandon? I tell you what, UAB kind of burned me on championship weekend. I picked them to win, thought they'd have a lot of fire, just be happy and to have football again still, and just laid an egg. So, And I like Appalachian State. They're top 25 team. They've pretty solid team this year, and hard for me to root against them. So... UAB played FAU in that championship game. Well, they showed up. I don't and think they played. So, like, rough score? 49-6. to six. Okay. And Appalachian State is a 17-point favorite in this game? Yes. Okay. So, I'm going Appalachian State. With the spread or just, just out? Either way. Okay. Well, actually, I don't know. Are we talking spreads? We, we can talk about that another time. I'm just going Winner. for the win. I'm you want to know what's great on a podcast about college football? When you say, I don't know. You're going to hear that a lot from this end of the table. All right, moving on. The second game, uh, Brandon is going to discuss the Home Loans Bowl. Uh, it takes place Tuesday, December 31st, uh, 3.30 Central Time, that is. Uh, it is between the Wyoming Cowboys and the Georgia State Panthers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ready for the old breakdown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. Boom, 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 boom. Ooh, ha, ooh, ha. Boom, 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 boom. It's from the good, the bad, and the ugly. That wasn't... Uh, Actual recording for copyright. That was me actually singing it. He did that with his mouth. I just, swear. Just right there. 
So, uh, yeah, breaking it down with Wyoming first. Uh, I've watched Wyoming a lot. I was born in Laramie. You, some may call me the prodigal son of Laramie, I guess. I don't, really, yeah, I don't know what that one means. Person. <laughs> well, me just now for one. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I like watching Wyoming. Uh, they tend to play a lot of night games. So just I picked this game intriguing to me because I've seen them play a lot. Uh, Georgia State has been kind of a team that you normally don't think of with uh, strong football programs at the FCS level, or I'm sorry, at the FBS level. And so uh, uh, we got starting off with uh, Wyoming, seven and five for their season. Uh, most notably, the big win over SEC team Missouri. Uh, Missouri, even if I don't think they were bowl eligible, even if they could have been because uh, for whatever they got in trouble for, I don't know. But but uh, at the time, you know, Missouri was supposed to have a decent program. Uh, and then I think at one time Wyoming started off and was like six and two or some crazy thing. And then just decimated by injuries, especially at the quarterback and the running back. And so they've been kind of plug and play with quarterbacks and and playing a lot of competitive games. Um, a lot of their losses were close. Air Force was their biggest loss here right at the end of the season. Um, but a few things here. Uh, their leading, I think, uh, quarterback Sean Chambers, he had 500 yards and was supposed to be having a really good year. He was injured. Uh, then that left with Tyler Vanderwall and Levi Williams. Uh, between the two of them, they have 1,500 yards passing combined. So neither one is a very great passer. Um, Tyler Vanderwall, I think they like him just because he's had some experience before, but he, he kind of turns the ball over a little bit, makes some mistakes. Levi Williams, he's more of a dual threat guy. And we have um, Titus Sween at the running back position, uh, return to practice, and then they have uh, Valade, who is their leading rusher at 969 yards rushing, so he's pretty good. Um, one kind of an interesting player for Wyoming, they have uh, Rocket Ishmael Jr., son of the Rocket Ishmael from Notre Dame from back in the day. Um, he's kind of their big play threat guy, and uh, they also, he only has 305 yards, though. so even though he's kind of their big play guy, still probably isn't going to scare a lot of teams. Uh, defensively, they have Garrett Crawl and Salmon Bird as two solid defensive ends. Uh, they can get after the quarterback. Logan Wilson is a linebacker from Casper, Wyoming. Uh, he leads the team with 98 tackles, 55 solo, four interceptions. They had the big win against Tennessee, the first game of the season. It was like, holy cow, what the heck? And uh, Tennessee struggled at the beginning of the year, so it could have been more of that. But Seven and five with the win against Tennessee. The losses for Georgia State were not very close. Uh, quarterback Dan Ellington has 2,291 yards passing. He has the nice three-to-one touchdown interception ratio and uh, has just under 600 yards rushing with five touchdowns. Uh, their running back, who's kind of their best player, Trey Barnett, has uh, almost one, well, has 1,389 yards rushing. 12 touchdowns. Uh, for their defense, linebackers make most of their plays. Um, Stevens McQueen has 97 tackles, 53 solo, one sack, and two interceptions. 
So for my pick for this one, I'm going <laughs> Anything else? <Sorry. laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, a lot of stuff I was looking at here. Over under. Awesome. How many of Sorry. those names were made up? <laughs> I got some of them from a Dr. Seuss book on my way over here. So uh, Wyoming, uh, here's, here's my big stat, I guess. So Wyoming wins when they rush more than 157 yards in a game. Uh, they, they won all their games when they've done that. Georgia... Uh, Southern or Georgia State, sorry, Georgia State gives up 245.2 yards rushing per game. I'd say Wyoming already being a seven-point favorite, I think they're going to be able to run the ball and and be able to grind a win to victory there. Wait, so this is not the real Georgia? Not the real Georgia. Okay. Same state, different team. Well, different I, colors. You know, thank you, Brandon, for. Uh, Hyping up what ESPN has ranked as the 40th <laughs> most exciting bowl game of the season. Out of 41? That's, that's out of, well, I don't know if you call it, it's 41 would be the national championship Ooh, game. So it might be so, the bottom. Yeah. I'd it like to think if they would have opened up with the theme from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, it would have moved up to top 25. And it's, if they would have listened to that <laughs> intro right there, it might have changed a few votes. 45, 50, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. games it's that not a, Easy. <laughs> It's not on ESPN, though, so I bet you they, I bet you they bumped it back just because of that they're trying to hype their own games. cultural biases. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so, Brandon, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick Wyoming in this game. All right. Um, basically, because I think I could name their coach. Hey, there you go. Is it Craig Do- Bull? Oh. Craig Bull. Yeah. Where he used to coach? I uh, he has Nebraska ties. I know that's, that. That's that's yep. that so, an acceptable answer. Go Wyoming. Um, gonna win this game. It will be. I will say I'm gonna watch it because Brandon told me to. Um, but it's gonna be on the second TV and and it's gonna be no volume. I think we've got uh, Navy and Kansas State going on about that same time on uh, on New Year's Eve. So you good if it's I'll watch, but second TV. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's a second TV watch. Okay. No, well, but no volume got, for sure. If he's watching Navy Kansas State, I feel like that's the essence of this podcast because. Yeah. Navy will sing second. Okay, so yeah, true. Oh, good it, call. It's more disappointing that this is your plans for New Year's Eve <laughs> instead of no, any, this is li- literally anything else. It's afternoon. I mean, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Justify. Sorry, I blew. I made a casserole last night, guys. <laughs> I had a fire and I made a casserole. So <sighs> my New Year's Eve plans are gonna be, are definitely gonna be watching football. But here, here's the thing, though, is that I promise you. Any other Saturday or, you know, during the football season, if Georgia State and Wyoming are on TV, I'm probably not watching. But that's – isn't that what's great about bowl season? It's like football. I'm watching There's it. only a couple. Um, that also brings me to an idea that I've had. We don't have to discuss it right now, but Thanksgiving bowl games for teams that have won three or less games at that point of the season. Have our own little semifinal of three and less teams. So what you're asking for is for people to watch terrible college football teams instead of at Thanksgiving pro football teams that actually have real talent connected Ooh. to them. There's a day around. Th- is is there a day around Thanksgiving where there's no football on? Uh, no NFL. Are you American? That's so that's why we're putting these bowl games, but. That's a topic for a later podcast. and uh, I, I can't wait for a later podcast. So you're going – that's rivalry weekend in, in college football. So, again, you're going to take college matchups against terrible teams over rivalry week and 
primetime NFL. No, Thursday on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Do you know what's on primetime Thanksgiving? There's a couple of NFL games. All day long. I'm going to take it one step further and go to zero win teams. If it's really the season for being thankful, and you're thankful for that other team you played, that got you your first win for yep. the year. That's what I'd say. Okay. These are just ideas percolating. Um, we'll follow up on them later, I assume. Make sure you write those down on, on the old agenda. Okay. On the old agenda. It's in the vault. Yep. Andy, you got to put it, it on the whiteboard on Georgia State, Wyoming. Yeah, I was going to pick Georgia State just because they beat Tennessee. Um, and the idea that Wyoming's playing with their fifth string quarterback potentially or whatever he is left handed, whoever who knows. Um, Brandon, but that stat that Brandon talked about. Brandon probably him, knows who it is. So. <laughs> it's a cousin or something. Um, being from Wyoming, one of a few. Um, but the fact that Georgia State gives up 248.48 yards per game, I might have to go with Wyoming, who looks to run quite a bit. It's an interesting stat, you know. As, as, a, as a math teacher, is the, are the two decimal points really that important on the rush yards per game? Well, when they average 170 and they win, probably not. Because <laughs> it's greater than 170. So we got Wyoming, Wyoming, Wyoming. Got a little background story for you. I'm, I'm from a, a small town, northern Nebraska. One of two schools in the state of Nebraska that have the cowboy mascot. What's the other one? Boys Town. So we have a lot in common with them <laughs> as well. Sand Hills Town, Sand Hills team, with approximately 60 kids in the high school. Our mascot, or our emblem happens to match that of the Wyoming Cowboys. A couple years ago, I've heard, I heard rumors that uh, Wyoming had reached out to a town of 200, less than 200, saying that uh, we were copyright infringing on their cowboy mascot and therefore had to remove or had 10 years to remove anything connected to the cowboy logo. Now, is this because ESPN has also done a story on this famous yes. small town. Becoming a six-man powerhouse, lost in the semifinals, back-to-back -back years. Uh, but regardless, uh, based on that fact alone, I'm going with Georgia State. Ah. Oh. I'm, ah. a, I'm also a fan of big wins. Andy mentioned uh, maybe a win against Tennessee, but who would ever know that? I'm going to go back a couple of years. Uh, when Georgia State upset... Baylor in the NCAA tournament. So based on that win and the fact that Wyoming uh, was afraid that a town of 200 people were going to take their shine off of the uh, the Cowboy logo, I'm going with the Georgia State whatever mascot. It's tough to be a good basketball school and a good football school. There's quite a few who do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wisconsin would Ohio come to mind. State. Yeah. Take that part out. <laughs> Edited. All right, so our third game, yes, it seems crazy. We are only talking about our third game after that uh, tangent. Uh, takes place Friday, December 27th at 9.15. Uh, Danny is going to be talking about this one, but he may not be up late enough to watch it. That gener Generation X guy that he is is the Cheez-It Bowl, which faces, uh, puts up Air Force versus Washington State. Yeah, so first of all, this is a game in a baseball stadium, which I think is awesome. 
Chase do you, Field. Do you like the dirt though? Like when the Oakland hosts the Raiders, like that's where I get have issues is when they play on the dirt. And isn't that isn't this the last season in the NFL? Sorry to go NFL again. That there's going to be games played on a on a dirt infield. Yes. So I, and I just think I think that stuff's kind of cool. I think it get, adds a little kind of uniqueness, a little culture to it. Um, for some reason, I'm all about the uh, the football games in baseball stadiums. If I had a third pick of uh, bowl game, you know which one it'd be? Pinstripe. It'd be the pinstripe bowl. Yes. And it's actually. My dream right now, with the state of affairs of Nebraska football, that we can play in the Pinstripe Bowl one day. Um, be a fun trip. And I think Kyle pointed out the other day, are they working yeah. on a Fenway? A Fenway Bowl is in the works. Wow. That would be the one I would go to. So it's just, you know, there's, there's some unique, interesting stuff going on uh, with this Cheez-It Bowl, uh, other than the name. Uh, you've got the baseball stadium factor. Um, you've got the Mike Leach factor, of course, um, with Washington State. Uh, he's got, you know, his quirks. He's odd. Uh, always makes for a good story. Uh, but it's been, been pretty successful there uh, over his tenure so far, although uh, sitting at 6-6 six and six right now, so they would love to get uh, that seventh win. Um, I believe he just got his uh, contract extended and probably looking for results. Uh, you got Air Force with only two losses this year, um, looking for that 11th win. So I think both teams do have something to play for there. That's uh, isn't that the case in most football games? What the teams have something to play for? I don't know. Miami. <laughs> easy, easy. Don't step on the segment. A okay. six and six Miami team heading to somewhere in uh, in Louisiana. I'm not Shreveport. quite sure Shreveport. what they're playing for, but. Uh, we can talk about motivation and sort of that factor later on if you guys want to. That's a tease for those of you new to the podcast business. Yeah. We call Hashtag that? foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. There you go. And to be honest, if I would have known ahead of time that this game wasn't starting until 9-15, <laughs> I might have picked a different game because um, if, there are game, if there are college football games played on the West Coast at night, I've probably never seen one. That's just past my bedtime. Uh, but I'm going to make the effort to stay up for this one simply because I picked it. Uh, so what I like and sort of my perspective here is these early bowl games, uh, and I think they match them up purposely for this, uh, are just sort of for the entertainment and the, and the excitement value. So uh, we're looking at Air Force as a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, with an over-under total of 67 points. So um, I, I'm all about those – uh, potentially high-scoring yet, yet close games um, down to the wire, uh, which would be the opposite of the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Wasn't that something like a 10 to 9? 10 to 9 With game. Nine interceptions. Yeah, so uh, you, you know, Cheez-It probably <laughs> did a little bit of research and figured out that maybe they want to find some some high-scoring teams. So um, I've got as the winner of uh, this game. Can't even remember who I picked. He is literally flipping the <laughs> coin right now. Hey, two and a half point spread. I mean, we could flip a coin. In fact, we maybe maybe we do the four of us make our actual picks, and then we have coin as our fifth player making picks, and we'll see who wins. That's just an idea I came up with, guys. I like that idea. Right off the top of my head, right? Danny's now. an idea guy. He's already spit out three of them. <laughs> so here's what it comes down to: scoring. 
and I think uh, I think Washington State's just gonna just gonna outscore, <clears throat> but barely. Uh, thoughts on this game, Andy? Anything that I didn't inform you of that you know about yeah. this game? Uh, how many yards rushing do they give yeah. up? Uh, Washington shoot. State a lot. Guys, my stat. Uh, I had all the stats. My stat page right. is in my other binder, and I shoot. Probably left it where you were. Yep. Yeah. I so this is the second worst year that Washington State has had under Mike Leach. The first year they went like three and nine or something like that, and they've also had another six and six year. So with that being said, uh, Air Force is obviously seeing its best season in a long time. Um, Washington State. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you just talk down Washington State, talk up Air Force, and then pick Washington State? I like Mike Leach. Oh, okay. But that's our Air Force, like our United States Air Force. And you would think they'd be able to pin the pass. <laughs> going with those jokes. Uh, I'm going with uh, Air Force. Thank you for your service. Brandon? I agree with Kyle on this. Troy Calhoun in Air Force having a great year. Historic year, like mid-90s historic. And uh, Washington State, they're going to get frustrated. Air Force will... Long, boring drives, eat up a quarter, score a touchdown. Get a three and out, get up ten points, and I don't think uh, Washington State will they'll get frustrated and make some mistakes. And I like Air Force this year. They're a pretty good football It'll team. It'll be interesting. Air Force has a running back who was the Kansas high school state champion in the 100-meter dash, and he ran something really, really fast. But they don't really have an offense to get him in a lot of space. It'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, to pick up on something Danny alluded to with uh, the bowl matchups being um, set up for matchups, our fourth game takes place Saturday, December 21st at 6.30 Central Time. Um, it's the Las Vegas Bowl, and it's Washington taking on Boise State. So, Kyle, give us the insights. So when we sat down, we, uh, we all got to pick our favorite bowl games. And because I was actually doing my job throughout the day, uh, I actually got to pick last. So I was just kind of uh, scanning through here, and I, I just picked this one, uh, Washington versus Boise State. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of good background info on, on these two teams because uh, Chris Peterson's leaving. He, he Coached at Boise State, he, he resigned at Washington, he's going to finish out this season and then be done, but honestly, I, I looked through and I was like, bowl game in Las Vegas, that's fun. I don't have anything else to go on, I'm going to just make my pick right now on the fly and I'm going to say uh, the Washington Huskies get it done uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, I'm going to say that Seattle has slightly more entertaining things to do than, than Boise, so the Boise State guys in Las Vegas are going to cut loose a little bit more, and, and Washington's going to be a, a little bit more dialed in. But, again, there, there's no background. I don't know the spread. Um, but let's go, let's go Huskies. Mom, next. Well, I got to say, uh, between these two teams, it is an intriguing matchup. Um, both teams are, do a lot of similar things. But I have to go Boise State on this one. I just think they're up for everybody. Washington's a big-name program. Boise's always that David versus Goliath mentality. They're always well-coached. They always have some kind of trickery, uh, some kind of creative play calling that, that gets the fans and the players uh, excited and all that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I think some of the stuff with Washington's coach leaving, you know, and all in a little bit of uncertainty with that, um, I'm going to go Boise State, uh, close game. Well, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch, though. So. Yeah, Boise State is the underdog by three and a half points, I believe, on that one. Um, I'm going with Boise State on this one, however. Uh, and here's why I'm such a terrible picker when it comes to bowl games is that I know you're supposed to use like the stats and info to pick and uh, I oftentimes find myself just picking uh, the team that I just sort of wish would win for a variety yeah. of reasons. That's a half, half step up of higher than the cooler uniforms. I mean, it sounds cooler. Tiebreaker sort of things oh, there okay. I think you're okay. talking about. Okay. <laughs> so do we know any details about Peterson leaving Washington? The, the quote was, he needs to recharge his batteries. I think Family time? Is he going to spend time with his family? He's still going to work at Washington. It's not like he's moving out of Spokane and whatnot. Okay. I think you're coming to the wrong people if you're actually looking for new information that we haven't already Googled yet. I mean, we all scroll through Twitter and like the news, and I haven't seen anything other than what Andy just said. To be um, honest, I think he, you know, he kind of got a Boise program that was handed over to him, you know, that was very successful and well-established and then goes to Washington, you know. Washington's well, Washington had success. Washington was 0-11 yeah, they were pretty bad, but still, still, it, you know, it's not like they're trying to rebuild the whole thing, you know. Like, there was things in place. It was in a big conference. And then now it's kind of like, well, I, I, I think he's getting a little bit bored and stuff and – and frustrated, and and he's just so you so out. so your prediction is he's going to move up to like a, a a more prestigious job, or he's going to go find some other lower tier program that he wants to maybe resurrect. hang around there, like teach you know some of those classes, kind of like what the Urban Myers and some of those guys do. Theory and, of maintaining a yeah, program, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not creating I mean, one. Just two reasons why I would never want to. I would be a terrible college football coach is because if I started getting paid millions of dollars and then could like resign and you know be pretty wealthy I would like that yeah. is, is football yeah. knowledge number two I mean that that's going to be on the list somewhere <laughs> reasons why you're not a college football coach knowledge I mean, about football well this is my hypothetical story so let's just assume like I'm a mastermind of college football sure. if, I'm, if I'm getting paid millions of dollars and they're like hey we're going to fire you I'll say great you know I don't I've got my millions. The other thing is, if I if I had an awesome location where I was the coach and was offered like a better job or a higher paying job, I'd have a hard time leaving uh, some some sort of awesome location. Yes, I'm talking about Lane Kiffin right there. <laughs> um, but so, are you saying that weather would be a factor on where and when you would want to coach? I one time researched the least windiest cities in America because I get so sick of the wind all spring and actually considered moving to some small town in Oregon because their average wind speed all year is like two miles an hour. So yeah. That one day where it's like six miles an hour. I guess what I'm saying is my, my yeah. priorities and Chris Peterson's priorities are, are different. But if I can get back to my pick, a Boise, sure. a Boise State. Don't let me stop you. <laughs> it just seems kind of like a, kind of like a, kind of a sad deal that, you know, he's, leaving coaching for whatever reason couple that with um, facing his old program where he kind of 
uh, made his name and got his fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna come in there, in there, and just lose. So and it's not gonna be some big exciting thing like, oh, look, you know, his last game. His players are playing hard for him. He's facing his own program, and he got a big win. Um, for for whatever for entertainment purposes, I just want Washington to lose and just kind of have it be just like a little bit sad. Can't wait to be around got, your Christmas tree. It got, around on, just got quiet right there. Yeah. Like, that's the story that I. That's the story that I want to see. Now, Boise State wins. To go against Danny here, the guy who is set to take over for Chris Peterson at Washington is a highly sought after defensive coordinator, and so Chris Peterson has been an offensive coach. Uh, they've had a top, you know, top tier defense the last few years under Peterson, and it's. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's it's because of this D coordinator. And this D coordinator um, had turned down job offers in other conferences at the higher levels uh, to be head coaches in the past. And so um, the transition's going to be smooth. And so it'll be nice. Uh, Washington will get that win uh, to send Chris Pearson off into his mediocre teaching days at Washington. <laughs> I don't know what that will look like. but um, Tweed jacket. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Anything that it looked like you were going to add something there, Kyle. Well, I was just kind of going off of what Danny said. The game is in Las Vegas. Maybe he is going to coach the game and then just Skype into his classes and never leave Las Vegas. <laughs> so he is going to greener pastures, to a nicer location with his millions, uh, and probably hopes of of increasing that million. I'd be millions. happy. Uh, that would be a happy storyline. I would also enjoy, and I think would be entertaining. And again, this is the guy who wants sadness around the holidays. <laughs> All right. Moving on, the next bowl uh, Brandon is going to talk about takes place Friday, December 27th at 11 a.m. Okay, an early kickoff game there. Um, it's the Military Bowl. It uh, is North Carolina versus Temple. And if you tuned into our pilot episode, now you'll hear Danny talk about Temple for the third time in his life. In regards to football. And first time I will ever watch Temple play football. Yeah. I'm very excited. You're, you'll be hooked. You'll tell be me, hooked. Tell us about it, Brandon. I got to tell you what. I'm pretty excited about this team. The first time I saw Temple play on TV, CBS Sports, I'm pretty sure. And flipping through it, I'm like, yeah, that's a link. That's where the old Eagles play. And I was like, oh, Temple. So Eagles I watched fan. him a little yes. bit. And, you know, I get a... Get to watch some of those games. Then next week, they're on CBS Sports again. The next week, they're on CBS Sports again. So uh, I've watched them a lot just because they're on at a convenient time in the morning. I like that CBS Sports, uh, they bring a lot of different schools and teams that you normally don't hear a lot about. And so with that being said, I'm going to start talking about North Carolina first, I guess. But uh, first year, Mac uh, Brown. Mac Brown there, you know, trying to – Bring it up. And I had to get a kick out of that game uh, early on where Mac Brown on the side holding up one finger. There's one second left. There's one second left. And growing up in Huskers, I'm like, classic Mac Brown. Oh, my God, that guy doesn't change. It, but they didn't give him that second. I was like, yeah, you're not, you're not in the Longhorn State now, man. You don't get to just control Big 12 outcomes now, sir. <laughs> I'm a little bit bitter about that still. But anyway... So uh, North Carolina, man, two and nine a year ago, six and six this year under Mac Brown, uh, close loss to Clemson, um, almost ruined Clemson's 
playoff champions earlier in the year. Um, all of the close or all of the losses were close. Uh, their wins were close too, though. I thought their best win was over South Carolina, just because it's an SEC school. I thought maybe their most impressive win was over Miami because they're bowl eligible. Um, with that, uh, they have a quarterback named Sam Howell, who's a freshman, 3,347 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's pretty solid, I thought anyway. And then uh, they got Michael Carter, running back, who rushed for over 900 yards. Uh, Javante Williams is a running back, sophomore, rushed for 800 yards. Um, they really get a lot of chunk yards in between the red zones and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they have two wide receivers. This is kind of weird. Daz Newsome, wide receiver, 947 yards. Diami Brown, 947 yards. Both receivers have the exact same amount of yards. That's pretty crazy. You don't see that every day. Jeez. Uh, they got for defense, Chaz Surratt. Uh, he is a linebacker, 63 solo <laughs> tackles, 48 assists, 13.5 tackles for loss, six sacks, one interception, one forced fumble. One fumble recovery. And uh, you know what his defense – he's first team all ACC. And do you know what his defensive stats were last year the year before? Zero. None, because he was a freaking quarterback. And he's playing the linebacker position. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Who's he talking about again? Chaz <laughs> <laughs> <Jazz> Surratt. <laughs> and that blows my mind. Can you spell that? Yeah, C-H-A-Z-Z. S-U-R-R-A-T-T. <laughs> For the listeners. And, and here's the thing, guys. He's not looking at anything. All of this is coming straight off no. of the dome. No, I'm reading this thing right here. But I got to also say there's a high probability I could be mispronouncing it. <laughs> that could come up later. That could come up later today, yeah. too. Tweet us at Seeing Second Podcast for your pronunciation. When we talk about top destination places. Okay. <laughs> Boca Raton. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, North Carolina, awesome, explosive team, you know, in between the yards, all that kind of stuff. And that defense, I just thought that was pretty impressive. Anyway, so down to Temple. Uh, Temple is like the classic stepping stone of college football programs, which is kind of crazy. But, uh, like, I think maybe their worst record in the past, I don't know, five years or something, maybe it's been like seven wins, maybe. And they've had a different head coach every time. So, like, right now, they're 8-4. and four. They, they got beat down by SMU and Central Florida. Uh, they got the win over Memphis and Tulane, which are pretty big wins. Tulane's offense was explosive this year. And uh, they did a pretty good job of shutting them down, holding them to, like, 21 points. Uh, but, like, going back here, they had Matt Rule, who was there from 2013 to 2016. Jeff Collins was there for a year. Manny Diaz was there. For, for 17, 17 days, days in December, yeah. left for Miami. And then Rod Carey comes in in this team now, 8-4. and four. I think it says a lot about those players, Temple Tough. A true Temple fan here. Where did Rod Carey coach before he coached at Temple? I don't even know. Is Northern that Illinois. how much wood would oh, Chuck Chuck? Yeah, yeah I, did. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, yeah. Northern Illinois. And I do have a liking for Northern Illinois from time to time. Garrett Wolf. Know. God dang, I tell you what. So a uh, stud on NCAA 2005. Ooh, nice. nice. Segway. Heck yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, they win all these games with, the, it seems like a different coach every year, which is kind of amazing to me. But uh, the way that they do this is with their defense. I mean, offensively, 
Anthony Russo has less than 3,000 yards passing. He's like, throw. He's had 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Is that in the there. guy from CSI Miami? It might be. <laughs> when he's not busting heads, yeah. he's uh, running the, the Temple <laughs> offense. And then uh, they have a freshman running back who had 936 yards rushing. Uh, they have a couple of wide receivers who are under 1,000 yards. They don't – I wouldn't say it's really an exciting offense to watch by any stretch of the imagination, but they just kind of – they're kind of gritty. They do enough to win games. Uh, they kind of get a lot of penalties and stuff like that, make it's, those kind of You're talking mistakes. about Temple here? This Temple, yeah. So the team yeah. you told me – I should be watching. You just described as not having a very exciting offense. That's on offense. Okay. I consider myself a <laughs> offensive person, but the reason why I like to watch Temple is because of defense. Uh, Sean Bradley is a great linebacker, leads the team with 79 tackles. Uh, Quincy Roach is a defensive end, 13 sacks. He's a stud. Um, he's a tall, lanky guy. Yeah, he is. He is very tall. Uh, they have a great defensive tackle who's a sophomore. Here's my pronunciation things here. Efine Mijay. I don't know. That's from the uh, pronunciation key thing. Those are hard to understand, too. I would, tell you I would have just skipped that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got to say, though, he's got <laughs> 6.5 sacks and 10 tackles for loss. And uh, they get after the quarterback. They make you have bad throws. And uh, Harrison Hand, cornerback, junior, uh, he takes, I don't know, takes advantage of those errant throws. Has three interceptions on the air. So my pick, North Carolina is going to get a lot of yards in this game. Uh, but once they get down in between the red zone and uh, Temple's going to come after, force some mistakes, uh, get some turnovers. Temple's had some defensive, like, big returns on defense. And I think Temple's scrappy. They're opportunistic. They're going to force turnovers. Uh, and they're going to hold the defense to – Field goals, and I think it's going to be a Temple victory. It's going to be a fun game to watch. All right. I'll watch it. Nice. Big more TV or little though, TV? What's your pick? Ooh, I'm a, that might be the more important yeah. question. Big TV, little TV. Uh, I'd have to examine the schedule. That's Laptop. a noon game. In Andy's and house, the, it might 11, be on the, on the smartphone next to the second lap. That's the only game on at that time. So, yep, big TV. I'm excited. I'm excited to see Temple play um, after uh, after Brandon talking them up. I'm excited about Mac Brown. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that a guy that I used to hate <laughs> for some reason, like this season, the color. I enjoy him. He's lovable now. Yeah. I tell you what, dancing after the <laughs> crying, he's yeah. emotional. He's it's like he went away from a while, for a while, it. and then came back as just sort of a likable old guy. Yeah. And see him over there on the sidelines in his Jordan gear. Um, just oldest guy wearing Jordan. Yeah, That's oldest sure. guy wearing Jordan. Um, so I would love to see a victorious <laughs> Mac Brown at the end of this game. And I have a hard time saying that, but um, that's what I'm looking for. He comes back and he's just the time away, and now he's like, I can appreciate yep. these moments. You know what I mean? And it's not as high profile from Texas and stuff. Uh, so I will claim to be the only other Temple fan in this room right now. Um, Brandon and I will of talk course. Temple football almost weekly, and um, I enjoy watching their defense. Now, with that being said, we could hold. We could get a 
friendship bracelet and we temple should, top, should. you know, and you fit the two parts together on there. That wouldn't be bad. Tattoos be would nice. be more real. If you were really half serious. the tattoo on mine and half, and then <laughs> yes. when we stand next to each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, sadly, with that being said, um, I can identify a little bit with uh, Mac Brown. He left UNC to take another job and then re-returned. And I've, I've done that. And so it's hard for me to look away from that. Welcome back uh, to North Platte. Well, I didn't know we were dropping where we were at. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Temple North struggles. Platte, Texas. <laughs> Temple struggles on offense. North Carolina almost beat Clemson, or at least gave them a run for their money. North Carolina wins. Jeez, that hurts. So again, I'm all I'm all about these big wins and the big big contests. And when we started talking about Temple football, that that first introductory podcast, there was only one thing that really sprang to mind, and I was nervous to bring it up. But now that we're to the game, it, it comes down to a 1985 track race, and and I'm just gonna kind of read you the the headline behind it. Cliff's former track coach wants him to compete in a track event for seniors, but the laid-back Cliff is not interested. This is until an old rival dares him to. I'm talking about Cliff Huxtable of the Cosby Show. Ran track oh boy. at Temple. And based on that history, based on the fact that Cliff had to cheat to win, I'm going with the North Carolina Tar Heels. Jeez, if any of you colleges out there have a skeleton in your closet, <laughs> Kyle's not going to be voting for your team on these papers. He votes his conscience. Thanks a lot, Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> and for a lot of things besides the track and field cheating race, like, thanks a lot for all that stuff you put us through. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about... Let's. Uh, the Holiday Bowl, which takes place Friday, December 27th at 7 o'clock. Um, it's between Iowa and USC. Iowa enters at 9-3 and three, uh, with key wins at Iowa State and Minnesota. Kind of started to derail the old P.J. Fleck bandwagon this year. Um, about- yeah. <laughs> they lost to Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Uh, by a combined score of 14 points. And so some really tough losses, uh, kind of a couple of key wins. Um, Iowa has the longest tenured head coach in Division One history. Not Division One history, Wolf in Division One right now. <laughs> Is that an accomplishment? He didn't get fired. Okay. Um, which brings me to USC. USC is 8-4 and four on the year. They've thrown for 10 miles, it seems like. Uh, the key wins, they beat Utah, um, kind of solidifying Pac-12, missing the uh, playoffs again. Uh, but they lost to BYU, a Washington team who turned out to be 6-6, six and six, um, and then got killed by Oregon and Notre Dame. Um, they are transitioning to the air raid, which is a little tougher than what may happen. But maybe the most interesting part of this is that Clay Hilton is still the head coach. For about two weeks there, Clay Hilton was potentially fired. And they were trying to get Urban Meyer. They were trying to get any celebrity uh, top dog to come to USC, but they have then stuck with uh, Clay Helton. Danny, would this have been one of your hypothetical coaching jobs you would have taken? USC, Southern, Southern California, millions of dollars. We're forgetting the fact you have no football knowledge whatsoever. 
if they called. No, I wouldn't. I, no, I wouldn't consider that a, a like a top five destination. Why not? That's like that's like the mecca of college football for some people. No, I'm talking about it's like towns and cities I'd like to live in. L.A. just not. No, not my style. Pasadena, not in the greatest part of L.A. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what I was going at. But. Okay, okay. All right. With that being said, I will take Iowa. Ooh. Uh, yeah, two of my least favorite Ugh. colleges to really even talk about. Uh, I used to play my buddies in NCAA football. They were from California and had to play against them all the time. Uh, I just really despise the the color scheme of USC. I agree. Just the and I don't even know what shade of red that is or what they would call it. But because they stole it from Iowa State. Yeah, I'm sure that's the order <laughs> that went. Uh, but. I also despise Iowa, too, not really for any other reason. Obviously, there's Nebraska reasons and stuff like that, but uh, Iowa is just kind of one of those those states that I just have no no interest in ever talking about. But uh, this, is, this is how I'm going to make my selection. Uh, if Iowa wears the all-black uniforms, I'm taking Iowa just because the uniforms in the all-black just look clean. But... Uh, no, let's just say I'm taking Iowa regardless, but I, I'm taking Iowa much in a much stronger case if they're wearing the All Blacks. I like it. I like that pick. I, this is a pretty tough matchup for me to try to pick. I want, like you said, Andy, with uh, uh, USC, with the whole coaching deal, I think USC needs to stop and think about who they really are for a moment. I know historically they've done things, but here's, here's the thing. Hey, we get really good. We're under probation or under investigation, and the coach leaves. Then we get really good, and then we're under probation or under investigation, and the coach leaves. This guy, he's run a clean program, which, which is why they haven't been as more successful as some of the other people. I think he's an actual high-character guy. And, and the other thing, you know, so they go, they go and do that, and then it's like he's – how many quarterback injuries did they have? I thought he did a pretty good coaching job, and they're in the top 25. Know your role, USC. You know, this isn't the 70s anymore. It's not the early 2000s when, when you were having to later give up your Heisman trophies because you have the best players that money can buy and all that kind of stuff, you know, and it's a different thing. So I think, you know, he did a good coaching job, as, as good as can, as can be, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad he's there, but I think – just that uncertainty is going to be a big issue with them right now going forward. And then for Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, it seems like every year they almost lose to, like, northern Iowa. And then by the end of the year, they're better than they were at the beginning, and they just find a way. He's It's like he just wakes up in the morning, and he's like, yeah, we're going to win eight games this year, I guess, and make a bowl. And I think they'll. he's a good coach. They'll be physical. And I don't know, I think I was going to – is going to win the game. So to recap, what are the picks so far in this All one? All Iowa. All Iowa. All right. I got USC. Um, I don't think a having a awesome Iowa team is near as exciting as having an awesome USC team. I think that's an oxymoron. <laughs> an awesome Iowa team. That's an oxymoron. Well, that's what I'm saying is that I think they're going to lose this game. I think they're going to, you know, have a similar season as they have been having. I would like to see USC uh, back to, uh, you know, flirting with the with the top ten. 
we need Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell back on the sidelines. And I, I feel like I haven't seen that for a while. Um, so I would love to see Clay Helton get the win, um, get a little confidence, uh, get the fans back behind him uh, with, with a win in what is you know pretty pretty nice bowl game for him. Here's my question, Danny. Did you know what their head coach's name was five minutes ago? Yes, okay. I did. I did a small amount of research for this podcast, and <laughs> I did stumble upon that as part of my research. Okay. All right. And that takes us to our last game. Uh, now for our last game, uh, Danny is going to talk, talk to us about the Boca Raton Bowl, which takes place in Boca Raton, Florida. Now, this will actually lead into the meat of our podcast. So if you the thought, meat. <laughs> if you thought that that was just a, that was the meat, here comes the steak here. This was the warm-up? <laughs> we are good and warm now. Uh, but the Boca Raton Bowl takes place Saturday, December 21st at 2.30. Um, it takes place between the SMU Mustangs and then the Florida Atlantic Owls. Go ahead, Danny. Yeah, so just to clarify, uh, the name of the city is called Boca Raton. Um, I believe that translates to rat's mouth. Uh, we did have, in earlier meetings, a little bit of confusion. Um, Brandon, you were going with... Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Which translates to mouth rat. <laughs> so, having been there and visited the city, I just call it Boca are you guys cool if I just go with Boca if for the I, rest? If of it? I can call it Ratten. <laughs> <laughs> so the Boca Bowl, my highlight and why I picked this bowl was for one reason only, and that's Lane Kiffin. Um, also, a guy that I used to find irritating, but now I, I just I'm entertained by. And Lane Kiffin in in Florida was just interesting to me. Like I like Florida Lane Kiffin. Um, looks like he's probably not going to be coaching in this game. Uh, off. Uh, doing his old Miss duties, uh, but I still think there's plenty in the matchup uh, to create some excitement. SMU uh, looking to get back to relevance. I feel like they were a big story early in the season, maybe not so much late in the season, but they're looking to get uh, 11 wins here. Uh, first time since since they were the, the big story in the 80s. Does it seem like they're wearing the same uniforms as they were in the 80s? I wasn't alive then, Danny. Neither was I. Shoot. I guess I'm they look pretty similar. Yeah, pretty Just similar. That color and the helmet design. That's an awesome logo. I yeah. Think, you know. The old Pony Express. Yeah. Well, I don't think they've updated it. Um, but I think this is going to be another one of those uh, high-scoring, uh, probably close at the end games. Um, I am going to give SMU uh, the nod here, uh, particularly just because I, I think this is an odd game um, for FAU. Their coach uh, is out. Um, they've hired a new coach, uh, but it, but it's a it's it's just another home game for them, and I'm not quite sure um, when we get into motivation factor uh, what what they're really playing for here. And I think SMU um, is is wanting to continue to be the big story uh, this year, so or a big story this year. So I've got SMU with the win here. Andy, what do you got? Uh, agreed. Uh, SMU with the win. Uh, their offense this year has kind of been historic with. Uh, Shane Bouchelle, the Texas transfer, and so I, they, they get that 11th win. There's only one reason why I know anything about this game, and it is Lane Kiffin. Uh, I'm going with Florida Atlantic simply because it comes first in alphabetical order. <laughs> I'm going SMU. I love that offense. They're explosive. Fun to watch. 
All right, so one of the things that we've kind of alluded to um, throughout this podcast is the whole motivation aspect. Um, and, and this was something that I kind of brought to, to you guys um, and was curious about your thoughts leading into this is when I'm going through these, through these games, I always want to like assign to one team or another, like this team's going to be really motivated to win this game or conversely, like for whatever reason, I think this team might have a lack of motivation in this particular game. And I feel like I'm always kind of looking for that when I'm making picks. And then of course I start questioning myself, like is that something that actually um, can affect the, the outcome of a game? Or is it just something that guys like me, um, you know, are looking for a reason to make a pick one way or another? Uh, some, some examples that I kind of think of are the home field type of thing. So with FAU, um, they're, they're playing yet another game in their home field. Um, it doesn't seem like they attract a huge crowd, so I wouldn't say they have a massive home field advantage. Um, so are they kind of bored going into that game and it gives the other team an edge? Or is that, or is that you know, assigning too much to one factor? Um, we, we've talked about uh, if it's a vacation, like going to Las Vegas, uh, does that interfere with your motivation or, or are these guys uh, good enough athletes that they just kind of stay focused? Uh, of course, coaches leaving, we've got Kiffin and Peterson. Um, are, are their players kind of left feeling, um, you know, left out to dry and maybe don't have a lot to play for? Um, and then in the later games, uh, I don't know if we have anything going on with players sitting out in these first games, but do you guys have thoughts as far as when you're making picks for a game, how much does motivation for one team for or against actually figure into making your picks and can it affect the actual outcome of games? So I kind of started off my with my research just kind of going through since the college football playoffs started in 2015 and just kind of what did I think would be some games that motivation would have played a, or lack of motivation played in effort, uh, in, as an instance and there's usually just one or two games that actually come out maybe was a uh, effort or motivation or lack thereof uh, the one that stands out probably most is the old Army Houston game from last year um, with Ed Oliver sitting out he mm -hmm. was like the number one player in the nation as a as a high school senior and chose to go to Houston over anywhere and everywhere um, but then, like that same year last year, Texas came back and beat Georgia 28-21, and Georgia just missed the playoff. So I kind of looked at that. Uh, the year before, in 2017, when UCF had their undefeated season and beat Auburn. Um, and then other than that, they're just kind of random games where maybe it was a little bit of an upset. And so <clears throat> with the motivation factor, um, I think it's more of a who left than if someone left or if it's a – Texas, Georgia, I don't know if missing the playoff by um, a spot really does have an effect. So I kind of went in there assuming, like, yeah, I think motivation plays a huge factor. But at the end of the day, I kind of think it's more of a one team, you know, on one given day was just better. Are there, are there games we're looking at this year where we, we might figure that in when making picks? One I always think about is Hawaii. So Hawaii is having another home game. Plus they have an extra home game every year just because of the travel. So they they play like 15 games in one year. 
Yeah, so is it one way or another? Is, is it that Hawaii doesn't see much excitement in hosting yet another home game? Or on the other side of that, you've got a team traveling to a vacation destination where, where you know, you get to go to Hawaii. It's a, it's a free vacation. So is that going to lead to maybe not being quite as prepared uh, to play in a football game? Well, so to me, when I, when I think about that, even if you have lived or have gone to school in Hawaii, would you rather play a bowl game in Hawaii or would you rather play in the Potato Bowl at Boise? Regardless of, of how many games you've played in that, in that stadium, which one would you rather choose? So, are you, so is your question saying that, yes, you think Hawaii's home field advantage is, is helping them? I don't know if it's helping or not. I think this is a conversation that people have, A, when they don't know much about a particular matchup. This is just an easy talking point to have. Right. And also I think that it's always a conversation you can have in hindsight because uh, if, you look, you, if you use the UCF thing um, from a couple of years ago, everybody and their dog knew that Scott Frost was coming back to, to Nebraska. All of those players knew that he was, was leaving. So was it be, were they motivated because they had a chance to claim a national championship? Right. Were they motivated because they finally – uh, because they were trying to prove to everybody that they, they should have been in the playoffs. Uh, because if they would have lost that game, it would have been, well, the players knew Scott Frost was leaving. Right. Or uh, the players were so disappointed of not getting that opportunity to play in the, the national championship. I, I think it's a conversation, A, that you have beforehand when you don't know anything else. And B, it's a conversation you have after the game when you have the result in hand to prove whatever point you have. Now, speaking to... Uh the home field advantage of the home game. So like Hawaii is usually in the Hawaii Bowl, and then Florida Atlantic in the Boca Raton. Uh, there for a while, Boise, <laughs> Boise would play in the Idaho Bowl. Those home games, and since we've all coached, we all kind of know or at least have been a part of the coaching staff where they want normalcy, where they want the same, uh, the same, you know, you get out of bed if we have no school on a day where we're, we have a game. Get out of bed early. You're not sleeping in. You're not sleeping the day away. You know, so your body's in that same routine, and so I can see as a Hawaii or a Florida Atlantic, those teams that play in their own uh, home games, that normalcy is there. And so um, I almost think it's better just because you do have your your normal routines. So another example would be, and we mentioned this one earlier in our discussion, is Miami. With a six and six record, you brought that up. Yep. We did. Well, th you so this is one. Of, this is the one that I'm most curious about. So these guys have not had a successful season. Um, you know, below whatever their standards might be. Um, they're in Miami. They are finishing their semester. They're on break, and yet they get to go to where is it in? Shreveport. To Shreveport, Louisiana. Beautiful Shreveport. To play another football game. Like, so when I look at that, I think, man, Miami does not have a lot to play for. Um, but on the other hand, these, these guys are still Division I athletes, many of them looking, on to, you know, looking to move on to the NFL. So, so perhaps that's enough uh, motivation in itself to, to put whatever your best is out there. Um, and we're talking Miami, Florida, yes. not Miami. Not, not Ohio. Ohio. Oh. They're having a heck of a yeah. year this year. Miami, Ohio probably would love to go to Shreveport. So uh, I honestly think that when, when you're getting into a, a team like Miami, you would think that they have the talent 
that's as good as anybody just because of their recu- recruiting pool. And honestly, like if, if you look back at their schedule, they've they've played in every close game imaginable. So I don't know if it's ever uh, motivation that they're going to worry with. It's execution. And so you just got to decide, uh, are you going to catch Miami on the – the coin flip where they play good or they play bad or execute at the end or execute uh, or, or fail at the end because I would say that it's it's not where they play or who they play. It's it's how good their quarterback is playing because when when he's good, they're good. And when he's not, they t- typically lose a little bit more. And, and to your point, Louisiana Tech, I have no idea where Louisiana Tech is or Shreveport, but I would assume since they're in the same state, they would be having at least a, a similar conversation as your your home field. So then then you have two sides of the the sword there. Where uh, is Louisiana Tech uh, disappointed that they don't get to travel uh, to a to a fancier destination, or is Miami going to struggle because they're playing in Shreveport? So again, that would be my example of it's probably just whatever the outcome is you're going to draw the conclusions likewise. Well, in Miami, since you brought up the, the close games, first-year head coach Manny Diaz, who's a defensive-minded guy, and so they have the perception of often struggling just because they have a defensive head coach. Um, they beat Virginia when Virginia was a top-20 team, and Virginia had to claw their way back to get to the ACC championship, but then turned around the week after, two weeks after, and lost to Georgia Tech, who may be the worst Power 5 team that uh, – is usually pretty decent. And mm-hmm. so just, I don't know, I think you brought some good points there with the motivation and being close. It's not necessarily not motivated. It's execution. Yeah, we, we, we uh, <clears throat> put this question out on Twitter hope to get, get to get some response from our followers. Um, Hi, Mom. <laughs> uh, hey, Mom's on Twitter? No, that's a joke. But one thank one you good point by, uh, by follower James Heiliger um, he, he mentioned the bigger the bowl, the less impact these factors might have on the outcome. Um, and then he did also mention the exception with a team like Alabama. So Alabama's used to being in the, uh, in the college football playoff. Um, now all of a sudden, couldn't honestly tell you what bowl game they're in. Well, at least they get a face off against Harbaugh. So maybe there's some motivation there. I was just going to say, too, with Alabama, how many players there are they projecting that are going to be drafted, you know, it's almost like, double digits. Yeah, I was thinking 11 is something I heard. And how many, like what you said earlier, how many are going to set out from the bowl game, you know, and they're going to say, oh, geez, if we're not in a playoff, I think that could be a pretty big factor for those type of games. But likewise, again, like in my <laughs> mind, if Alabama comes out and plays poorly, well, it's because they're not playing in the, the, the final four. Right. But if they come out and just dominate a Michigan team, then they're going to be like, they wanted to come out and make a statement on proving why that regardless of how many wins and losses or losses they pile up, they're always in the top four no matter what. So, again, it, it's just, to me, what's, what the result of the game is. I agree with that, too. Um, you know, but I think, like, the biggest thing, it's kind of weird. You know, I don't think the player – I think the players that are out there are going to be motivated. But, like, when I'm saying motivation is going to have an impact – the ones who are disappointed in being in the game and they decide to sit out for the bowl game, their motivation for not playing, I think, will be from the lack of Jimmys and Joes on the field. You know what I'm saying? But 
the players that step in will be plenty motivated, but I think you could see a talent drop with some of them. But on the same hand, you know, some of those coaches could say, hey, the freshmen or the people who we were going to redshirt, this could be an extra game to get some of those exciting young players into a bowl game, and, and maybe they shine to the occasion. Could you imagine what that halftime and postgame interview with Nick Saban would be like if Mission came out and beat Alabama because of perceived motivation? Oh, yeah. That would be terrible. I'm looking forward to that game. He's a pretty good like motivator of not letting them right, think so. too highly of themselves. <laughs> and, and even if the, the 10 guys are going to the pros, sit out, they have 10 other guys that are going to the pros next year that will be more <laughs> than good willing depth. to, to, to one more step game. in. Sure. Yeah. All right, so I guess just quick last thoughts. Two questions. So, Andy, first of all, when you're making your picks, do you factor motivation in, in, in just making the picks? No. Do you think motivation can have an effect on the outcome of games? Yes. Yes? Kyle? Making picks? Uh, in most cases, I don't know enough about the games to for any of it to matter. Okay, so do you think it, it can affect outcome of games? Yes, but not on the scale that people probably give it credit for. Okay. Brandon, final thoughts? Making picks? I factor it in if I think the games are going to be real evenly matched, and then if there's somebody who's not going to play or somebody who, you know, just kind of the makeup of the team and stuff, if it's – all thing else is even, then I, I look at it as right. a factor. And you think, can you can it affect the outcome of, of an actual game? I think so. Yeah? Yeah, sure. I think I just, just to, to finish, I think it's something I like to look at because then when I'm watching the game, I can kind of see how it's unfolding or not. It's just another kind of part of the entertainment value, I would say, uh, in watching these games. All right. Before we let you guys go, get out of here. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, comments, uh, do our polls, all that good stuff. We're always looking for uh, your guys' input to really kind of help drive where we're going with this. Um, but to wrap up the pod each time, uh, especially with conversations like these, uh, even with us, like since we're friends, it always seems like everyone has one final thought, one bullet left in the chamber, and we're going to call these our extra points. So, Danny, what's your extra point? My extra point is the Army-Navy game was great, and I'm glad I watched it, and I liked sharing Brandon's excitement for it. Uh, but did you guys see the end zones? So you could clearly see all the Philadelphia Eagles paint in there, and then they obviously tried to cover it up by putting Army and Navy, but just did a terrible job. And I'm sitting there thinking, the president is in attendance. This is like the biggest game. You know, It's the only game of the day. It's pretty massive. Like, Get some better paint. Kyle? Um, my final point is going to be just maybe a little bit longer. First of all, I've been making some jokes about how uh, we, we aren't going to have a lot of listeners, especially early, but honestly, I don't care. This has been an absolute blast. I will do this if nothing, if nobody else listens to it but the four of us, just because it, it's been a fun thing to do. Uh, but my real extra point is uh, it's Christmas time, and I absolutely love Christmas. Uh, I have a a new baby who's going to be celebrating his first Christmas, and I'm just excited to do that over the next couple of weeks. Brandon? Well, Monday night football tomorrow, and so that means we get to listen to the broadcast featuring Booger McFarland. Booger! And I just got to say, come up with a different name. Come up with a nickname or something. How is your name? <laughs> 
Booger McFarlane. His, his real name is Anthony. It's not Booger. It's Ooh. not Booger. <laughs> Anthony. Well, I guess I don't have anything else. Tony Mack. I don't want to add anything else, and that's all I had. I apologize to Booger and those close to him. Anthony. Anthony. Or Anthony. Thanks for listening.